We're here at Spirit Treat. Tom, you've uh, joined us. Tell us a little bit about, first of all, yourself sure. and how you're involved with everything and then about the cidery. <laughs> <laughs> That's a long answer. Um, yeah, so Spirit Treat Estate Cidery, uh, we opened um, in 2009. So it was September 2009 we opened the facility. Uh, this was property we purchased in 2005 with the uh, goal of putting an orchard in and building a cidery. Um, but my family has been growing apples for some time, since 1952, when my grandfather planted the first family orchard, um, which was the farm I grew up on and uh, made my, my own cider on. And um, we, we actually made the decision to sell that farm to relocate to this location and, and with the vision of building a, a European cidery. Um, but uh, yeah, along, the, along that journey, we realized that the industry itself was in its infancy and needed direction. And um, so I was one of the founders of Ontario Craft Cider, um, which is now six years old as well. And uh, I've been uh, uh, was a vice chair for three years, and I've been sort of this is my third year now as chair uh, of the association. And how did you get into the full process of, of here? You decided to buy it where you, you were always a farmer yourself, and you felt to keep moving forward, that was the right step, was to find a bigger, better place and go forward from there? Yeah, um, yeah. I'd taken over the family farm. We were growing fruits and vegetables, mostly apples. And what I found was the industry had, had really changed. Uh, it was in decline, significantly in decline, even though Ontario is the largest apple-growing province in the country, um, especially farms that weren't more modernized. Uh, and the, the, my grandfather's farm was year-old, big, giant, standard trees. Um, so what we found is we were, there was no profitability there. It was, uh, it was not in good shape. And um, so I realized I wanted to do something that wasn't so seasonal, wasn't so um, crop dependent year to year, and, um, and that also was something more value added because I saw a future there. And um, so that's when we decided that, you know, potentially making cider um, would be an opportunity. And when we looked at some numbers and looked at where the market was, we thought, well, maybe there, maybe there is an interest here in something that really didn't exist at the time in the market. Um, and uh, I'd like that aspect that we could grow apples and then make cider here and sell it year-round. And uh, so we decided to take that adventure. And yeah, it's pr proven to be the case. Cider's really exploded in, across North America and in even international markets. And um, now it's unfortunately it's more of a provincial issue, like I said, which is why we needed the industry uh, to create the association. Was uh, the taxation here in Ontario has really uh, stopped any type of cider industry from taking off. We'll swing back to some of that discussion and stay here at the moment. What are the facilities that are here on site? Sure. We, um, we wanted to create something that was true to what cider is and it's like what it was before and also what it is in Europe as far as being a full estate cidery. So we grew the apples. We had a facility where we were then storing them, uh, pressing them into juice, aging them, and, and fermenting the juice into cider and then packaging it. 
and um, we, we realized that cider is really a new beverage, even though it's got such a long history. It's really a new beverage to consumers. So we realized we had to build a place where people could come and immerse themselves in the story of cider and, and the culture of cider. So try good food and try different ciders, which meant we just didn't build a barn with a cider press in it. We had to go full in here and create a bit of a destination that was uh, to sell good food, have a little bistro restaurant where people could enjoy good food and try the ciders. And um, we wanted it to even look, look, not only look like it was something out of England, but also at the same time was something that was energy efficient and and really fit with being uh, uh, conscious of energy conservation and the environment. So we built an environmental sustainable building uh, using straw bale construction, geothermal heating, cooling, biodigesters, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and then you offer, as you said, the food pairings. We're sitting here in the, in the little bar area that you've got set up. What, what else is around? Uh, around the area or in the building? Both. So within the facility, uh, yeah, you, you're welcomed into our base, our, our food shop, where we uh, sell our own product as well as other local uh, food and beverage suppliers. Uh, then you come into the uh, bistro here. Uh, where we have a, a French-style bistro that sells seasonal uh, food items uh, menu. Um, it is a Feast Ontario certified by uh, Ontario Culinary Tourism, which means we only buy locally sourced ingredients to produce all our food, which we produce on site in the kitchen. Um, and to basically to uh, be the backbone of both the store and the restaurant is our bakery where we produce uh, artisan baked goods as well as wood-fired oven bread for both. Um, and then actually the area we're in, which is why we moved out this way, was this is a very touristy area. Uh, Bruce Trail, uh, the Caledon Trail, as well as conservation areas and Badlands uh, and the old brickyard. There's a number of touristy areas here, including seasonal year-round. Uh, so in the summer, we've got lots of hikers, cyclists. And in the winter, this Calton Ski Club is just above us. So we actually have a lot of skiers coming through here uh, on their way home from a day of skiing. And um, so, yeah, it's a bit of a touristy area, as well as uh, four villages. We're actually right in the middle of four villages that surround us. So we actually have a good local support as well. Excellent. What's the furthest away you've seen or heard of people coming by and said, oh, they're from wherever? Uh, two answers there. Ironically, um, like I said, especially because having the four villages around us, um, it's amazing how the community has really embraced what we do here and actually takes personal care and pride in it. So um, we actually, whenever uh, families visiting somebody local from anywhere, like you're talking Asia, Australia, New Zealand, England, especially England, they, they bring them here for lunch because uh, they want to show it off, which is kind of neat. So we have people from all over the world that come through here, um, and especially Europeans really find that they're at feel at home here. Um, but customers directly, um, the best one I ever heard was actually a few years ago, ironically right at Christmas, I gave a, an interview on CBC Radio, and by the time I got home, this family from uh, uh, North Bay had heard the interview in the morning, got in the truck and drove here to have lunch. 
There you go, far and wide, and it draws people around. Yeah. Uh, what is your team like here? How many people do you have involved in the process, and, and what are some of the roles that they have in, in making all of this come together? Sure. Um, yeah, we're definitely um, a combination. I mean, it's a farm, so we, we, you know, we have outdoor work. Uh, workers and, and uh, people working in the back in the in the juice plant, so making uh, the juices and then doing all the bottling. Um, but as well, we're running basically a, a store, uh, a bakery, and a restaurant. So quite a few hospitality trained people. Um, so yeah, like in total, depending on the season, we run anywhere from 20 up to 36 staff. Uh, working here, um, we technically have uh, six department managers, uh, as well as myself. I'm basically the general manager and head cider maker. Uh, then, yeah, basically a team of about six managers under me, and then uh, full time and part time staff under them. And then you've got a nice little plethora of options on tap right now. What is it that you've had over the past year? Yeah, we, we, uh, we have our main products, um, so we do a couple of different uh, classic ciders, um, mostly apple, and then we do a couple of pear ciders, uh, and then we actually rotate some seasonal ones, so we're, we're definitely like a, a brew pub in that we, we constantly rotate seasonal ones, so uh, we just finished in the fall, we do a pumpkin cider, like a pumpkin ale, that's really popular. And uh, we uh, just over the holidays, we do what's called a, a cranberry uh, spritzer. So it's actually a light cider um, with cranberry in it. So it's great for the holidays and it's also safe. <laughs> you can have quite a few drinks and still be good to go. Um, and then this winter, so we're just about to bottle, is what we call our, our um, winter bliss. And it's uh, basically... Um, Almost like a winter ale style cider. It's strong. It's about 6.9% alcohol. It's got a. It's fermented with a little bit of orange peel and some maple syrup in it. So it's basically a New England style cider. If you're looking at classic styles of cider, but we've tweaked it with some oak aging and a little bit of uh, uh, orange citrus to it. Is. Uh is there challenges now with the number of people that have entered the market to try to to come up? Are you pressured for coming up with new content or new flavors? Or is it really just, uh, well, we do what we do and people react to it in that form. So there's no need to feel threatened, I guess you could say, by others with their creativity and design. Yeah, it's, um, I, it's, and I see that as the future of the industry. And it, really what we're doing is we're following the footsteps of craft beer. Uh, early on, you had, uh, in the craft beer industry, you had you know, a few operations that stuck to just one type of beer. And I hate to say it, like a steam whistle does, and do it really, really well, which was their motto. And you, you saw Cremor do the same thing. But you saw the, the craft breweries that got into introducing and experimenting with all sorts of styles of beer and that's what got people into craft beer was trying these different seasonal types of beer so we see the same thing in our industry there's a number of entrants that are making one type of cider uh, most of them tend to be as in new worlds we're here in canada and new world style ciders um, where we uh, we've always tried to maintain the classic style of ciders so all our ciders are more of a european style a little more funky, definitely more tannin in them, and uh, and then rotating these seasonal and experimental ciders. Um, it keeps keeps our customers interested. It keeps our, our bars and restaurants interested. It's more work for us, but it keeps us 
uh, above above where the rest of the, the pack is. And as you sort of mentioned that it it was in its infancy when you you launched here. Uh, I remember the first time being introduced to cider was maybe 2006, and the only thing available was uh, a strongbow that you could get imported. Uh, we saw a couple years ago sort of Summersby come into the market, and around that time we really started to see a turn. Uh, do you think that there's a connection between a commercialized product like that coming in, which has led to a growth, or do you, was it more coincidence in a lot of the other work that was being done by the, the local uh, Ontario ciders is what really started this sort of large boom of, of now that's three, five hundred percent bigger within a couple of years? Mm-hmm. The, uh, yeah, the market, I think, I think consumers and what we've heard since we've opened was for a lot of people... Uh, they, they had been looking for this type of a product. They didn't know what it was. All they knew was uh, they were tired of beer, it made them feel full, or there was a gluten intolerance. And, um, um, but wine was too strong for them, and they didn't know what they wanted. And, and I think that's where, for a while, through the 90s into 2000, uh, you had the explosion of uh, uh, coolers, wine coolers, Mike's Hard Lemonade, so these made products, these manufactured products that were sort of filling that niche in the market that people were looking for, and it was only then in 2005, and I think more when you, you were really gluten-free, was really becoming a, a food trend, and people were looking for something different that suddenly cider became a, a, a growing product category. And... Um, like I said, we were we were making it at the time, and I think at the time too there wasn't some the best products on the market. So people had tried cider and thought, oh, that's not my thing. And uh, a few of us, and then internationally it was happening as well, which is why you saw some changes as uh, Strombo was what everyone knew at the time. Then Magnus came out of nowhere from Ireland and and, and took over the market from Strongbow, which really started to drive interest in the category in a large way. And that's when people started to drink local stuff as well, because we were starting to show up on the market. And, uh, and then you saw Summersby come out of nowhere and blow all the competition out of the water. Uh, and um, and as to today, carrying the like, dominant part of the market. But um, we're constantly seeing steady growth here. Uh, it, it, it's, it's great for us overall, but it, in, a, in one way, though, like I said, it's sort of sad because Ontario grows a lot of apples. The industry's struggling. And yet we missed a monstrous opportunity here to supply our own product due to taxation. You've, so you've been along the process. You started and you're you key with the, the association. Uh, how do you find the camaraderie amongst people? Are there still little rivals here and there? I'm assuming most of it from what we've heard has been very positive and cordial and understanding that. To get one more person drinking a cider means not one less customer, it means one more opportunity. No, definitely. I mean, the sky's the limit. And again, like you see craft beer, everyone thinks is in, is in a mature stage, yet uh, 100 new breweries came on market this year and there's 100 in, in the pipe coming next year. So there's plenty of room for us because we're kind of coming in behind them. 
Um, you know, overall, still most people don't drink cider. So, like you said, it's not like we're we're competing for customers against each other so much as is trying to just expand the, the category, expand the market. So. Um, we, we see huge potential. I mean, it's a young, like I said, it's a young in, industry. And right now, yeah, mostly everyone's supporting each other. That's how the association got started was, was a bunch of us doing a, a cider dinner down in, in Burlington. And uh, around the table started to discuss forming association to champion our, our, uh, our needs as an industry. Why don't you talk a little bit about the tax challenges that have come through right now and where you would hope to see things changing in the next couple of years? Sure. Um, yeah, so uh, the association since its formation has been about lobbying the government to highlight the fact that they have a, a successful wine industry because they created the VQA and, and they've given a rebate back to that industry. The only reason that the craft beer industry has taken off the way it did was was the government at that time changed taxation back in the in the late 80s early 90s and which finally made them profitable and allowed those companies to grow and and generate economic benefit to the province and um, we so we spent a lot of effort basically the last six years proposing our industry and how important we were so it takes time, um, and uh, we have gotten there. We did. We did just announce in 2017 the new Ontario uh, Cider uh, Program, which just uh, finally got started. Really, at the end of this year, with the first payments out. Um, it's a good start. Unfortunately, we didn't quite get what the, the craft beer industry got, and which is frustrating because that again just still holds us back. If if, if we can't make money then we won't buy more tanks, hire more people, put more product on, on the market. Because uh, really to date, uh, really up through 2016, this industry was a hobby. Uh, and similar to what the craft beer went through, these were people making product and really losing money doing it, but saw a vision and, and, and had passion and, and pushed their way through. And that's basically what we've done to today. Uh, we finally got this program in place that's taking some of that pressure off, but uh, it is frustrating when you see the market dominated by imports. All that work's being done somewhere else in the world. All that product's then shipped to Ontario and sold to consumers, but no one here is getting really any benefit from that, and yet that seems to be the way it's structured is we're, we're not in, enticed at all to do that, and even the program we have in place unfortunately has a very short life it's only got three years on it and it technically will expire unless we continue to lobby and and push forward to maintain the life of the program sounds like busy time over the next year and a bit for the association so i I want to wish you all the luck going forward with it thank you for the time to chat here Uh, on my way out what was your favorite cider of 2017 can you pick one uh 2017 for me um we always, and actually we were one of the first ciders to play around with hopping ciders, and uh, our hop ciders won a number of awards uh, in Can- like not only in Ontario, but uh, in uh, Canada and in North America. So we've always been happy with it, and I think it still tends to be the favorite cider of all the guys in the back. Uh, so that's always been one of my favorites. Um, 
the hot, the sorry, the lavender. We do a lavender pear cider uh, that we did this year that really got a lot of attention at any of the festivals that we poured it at. Uh, it actually won at the. Um, so part of our lobbying effort is we of course go to Queens Park and pour cider now every year. Of course, they don't know the, the category unless they're trying the product. And uh, so we were pouring it at, at an event at Queen's Park, and uh, that cider was picked as the people's choice by all the staff and MPPs at Queen's Park. So our lavender cider, our lavender pear cider, is a big winner at Queen's Park and is served at the, uh, the restaurant at Queen's Park. Thank you so much for your time, and I wish you all the best 2018 and beyond. Thank you.